This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's a new day, things are gonna change. It's a new day, things are gonna change. It's a new Welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. I'm Elliot. This is a special, special podcast I'm doing today. I did a little different intro because I wanted to bring in the emotions, bring in the hype that I am feeling because waterfowl season 23-24 has actually started. It is finally here after all this long waiting, talking about waterfowl hunting, passing the time, getting through the heat, and it is here. Woo! <laughs> it's so exciting. Oh my gosh. I hope that you guys are as hyped as I am because, man, I'm so excited. And we had such a fun weekend. And turn around, I got another one this weekend. And after that, it's just hunt, 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 hunt. Here we go. Here we go. Man, it's thrilling. So today, I am just going to go over my hunt weekend with you, teal opener, explain it in detail. Hopefully you can relive it with me a little bit. If you have seen the video, this will add extra details to this that weren't in the video. So if you've already seen the video, this is going to be a lot more in depth, hitting on a lot of things that weren't in the video. If you've not seen the video of this hunt, it is certainly worth your attention. It's on the Freelance Duck Hunting YouTube channel. That's my channel, season nine. I've been doing this since 2015, just putting out most of my hunts. I video all my hunts. This year, I think I'm going to go back a little bit like I used to do it. I'm, I'm going to, I used to post my skunk hunts and I kind of stopped doing that. And I had some feedback from some core fans like, man, I really liked it when you hunted those because it just showed the real or the realness of waterfowl hunting. I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to do it if I can get a video out of it. And I'm just going to show people what, what we do. And so that's what it's going to be today is I'm just going to be going through that hunt weekend and sharing it with you to the best of my ability. And I'm going to try to do that every week where I just go over and give you guys my lay down of my waterfowl hunting, what my thoughts are, what my um, expectations are and, and all of it. But before we do that, I want to talk about a couple of partners that I think that you definitely need to hear about. And the first one is final approach. This is going to be the second year now that I'm using pretty much all final approach equipment from their decoys to their waders, to their bags, to their stand up blinds. Final approach is coming on strong. So Rogers actually purchased the final approach company and they revamped everything. And so if you love Rogers, you should love final approach because it's the same guys. And I know 
I I have not heard many bad things about Rodgers. Like Cabela's Bass Pro Year, bad things about him. But I Rogers has a good reputation and for a good reason. It's an awesome company, awesome ownership. The people that are work there are awesome. If you like outdoor limits, Josh's hand is in a lot of final approach stuff. So it's fantastic waterfowl equipment. So if you have not checked out that what they've got, it's fabrand.com. And the coupon code that you can use is FDH10, which is awesome because if you use that code, you get a discount. I get a little kickback. So, but I, I'm absolutely bought and sold on the final approach gear. When I got my first year of using all their stuff, it's a higher quality than I thought it was, guys. It, it honest to God is. It is, it is really good quality stuff. FABrand.com. Also, as always, Onyx Hunt, Onyx Maps. If you're not using Onyx, you are playing this waterfowl game with one arm tied behind your back. Every single hunt I'm using on X. Pens. Tracking. Sharing pins with friends. Navigating in the dark at night. You've got to use on X if you don't. I'm I'm serious. You're it's like you are playing the game with one arm tied behind your back. So make sure and take care of that. And also, Bobby Hayes is putting out, I think, some of the best calls on the market. It's ducklandercalls.com. You can go and see his lineup there, and you can use a product code for that. It's NAW10 for also 10% off of there. You've heard Bobby on here, and his episodes are on here, man. You guys obviously loved it because they're some of the most listened-to episodes that there are, and he is a fantastic waterfowl hunter, fantastic caller. Go over to ducklandercalls.com, listen to some of his calling tutorials, and take his information. He's putting a bunch of information out there that's just free. He's calling it the tribe. So if you want to support a just a single, by single I mean just one guy operation who is a flat-out killer, awesome dude, awesome for the sport, you want to support Ducklander Calls. NAW10 is the product code there. So. That being said, I I do not want to support companies that I don't believe in. I really, really don't. In fact, there was a company that used their product last year. And I had some issues with the product. And I very easily could have made a deal with them this year where I got money and pushed the product. And I'm like, I I talked to them. I'm like, I just need to use that again this year. I I need to see more of from this company and more from the product before I can just like put my name behind it completely. Cause I don't want to have something, have some issues with it and then be telling you guys, I think it's awesome when I've had, I've had problems with it and that's not how I want to do my business. So if I bring you a company, I'm going to try to bring you a company that I believe in that I really think is going to be valuable to you. So, so just know that, 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 that is on the forefront of my mind and it's something, something that I want to do. So let's get on to the teal opener. This was in Nebraska. I live in Kansas and traditionally we only hunted the Kansas teal seasons. And a couple of years ago, I went out with Ben, the man. And if you watch my videos and you watch my teal videos hunting with Ben, you know why I call him the man. That is his official name is Ben, the man. He had to earn it. In one of the videos, I said, if this happens, you have officially been the man and it happens. So he's been the man. Anyway, two years in a row, it's actually been three years. This would be year four because of season six of mine, hunting in Nebraska, the teal opening weekend, did awesome. Season seven, same thing, did fantastic. And then last year, I didn't go out with Aiden where, where he was going and he slayed him and I didn't. And I did hunt in the Nebraska opener, it just wasn't very good. So this is like tradition now. We hunt the Nebraska teal opener. It just gives me another weekend to get after the birds, start a weekend early. So I'm all in for it. I'm all in for it. So this was the Nebraska teal opener. And I've been talking about these scouts. If you listen to the podcast, you have heard about all the scouting. And we had people scouting from clear out western Nebraska through central Nebraska. I was scouting eastern Nebraska. And quite honestly, our scouts just fell through. Golden went clear out west. Just didn't find anything worth worth hunting. Ben the man was hunting a little farther to the east. He didn't find anything. 
I went out on the east side of the state and <clears throat> I did my podcast where I talked about the muddy truck event. I did find those birds. I did find um, about 60 to 80 birds. And I actually went and re-scouted that place on Wednesday before the opener. The opener was Saturday. I went back out there on Wednesday. Um, it was a really, really fun trip with my wife. And then this is a little tip for you guys. Um, for you guys that either want your girl to be cool with your hunting or know the importance of your girlfriend or your wife or your fiance being cool with your hunting. Here's how I play this out. And this is authentic. This is not me manipulating. This is genu genuinely authentic because I adore my wife. She is a blessing from God to me. She treats me great. She's just absolutely phenomenal. And so in return, I want to treat her. I want her to be able to say, say the same thing about me. And I love being with her. I love spending time with her. And I've been scouting every weekend. And, and as hunting season progresses, I'm going to be gone a lot. So I'm like, I really want to go and scout that place. The muddy, I'm going to call it the muddy truck place because we didn't really get to fully go out and scout it. I was hoping there was two, 300 ducks in there. We saw 60 come off a little area of it when we drove by, but I wanted to really scout it and I'm leaving. Um, I was possibly even thinking about leaving Thursday night and taking off Friday. I'm like, man, but I don't want to make my decision of where I'm going to hunt until I go back and rescout that place. So I talked to my wife. I says, Hey, I started looking at, I know the type of places my wife likes to eat. So I got to looking on um, the local towns that we would be driving through. It's an hour and a half drive to go scout this place. So I looked at the different little towns we were going to be driving through and I started doing some searching at restaurants at those little places. I'm like, Hey, we can leave right after I get off work. We can go through one of these little towns. Just she and I can go together. We can hit one of these little restaurants together and then I'll go out and scout it and we'll come back. We can have that time driving together where, you know, our kids, which we've got right now in the house, we've got a 19 year old and a 16 year old, but we can just be alone and really have good conversation. And, and so I can make this scout before I leave for the weekend, kind of like a date night type of situation. And that's what we did. I found a really cool place. I knew she'd like, I involved her in that process. I was like, Hey, look at this restaurant. You know, what do you think about this? Do you like this? Cause I, cause I know she, it's gotta be her standards are higher than mine. I, I don't mind like just eating at some scummy dive for the most part, but her standards, she has, she likes a, um, she's just more critical when it comes to establishments and, and, and those kind of things. So found an awesome place to eat, check the ratings, got her all excited about it. So Wednesday we went and ate at that place and, and went and scouted. And I, I was able to walk that whole place, which is about six tenths, seven tenths of a mile long. And I kicked up about 60 to 70 birds. So the birds I saw on the muddy truck day, that's the same number of birds I saw out there on that day. And they were, they were like grouped up. So my option at that point was, um, was I going to hunt that place or not? Now, Aiden, Aiden's buddy, Jeremy, who I'd never hunted with, he had been scouting some other places that he kind of felt okay about, but he had like three or four places that he kind of felt okay about. And after I realized there's only 60 or 70 birds on that whole place and they were grouped up, like if you get one group of 60 to come in, that could be your day. And that's, that was my group A, B, C, and D my spot, A, B, C, and D for this area. So I'm like, if I stay around here where it's just an hour and a half from my house and either I get beat in there or those birds are all flocked up and it's like one or two flocks and that's it. And then you got nothing hunt on Sunday. I'm like, I'm going to go with Jeremy because Aiden ended up, Aiden ended up not hunting this weekend with us. It was just me and uh, Jeremy and my dad. But I'm like, I think the best option is to go ahead and go where Jeremy has scouted. And I'd never hunted with him. I'd met him a couple of times and he seemed really cool. And so I was looking forward to scouting. In fact, the first two videos last year, teal videos last year that Aiden put out on my channel, Jeremy was with him on, on that, on those hunts. And so Jeremy just seemed like a great dude. I'm like, yeah, this will be great. Let's go do that. I just thought it was a better option. But, then Cole, my buddy, who went with me on the muddy truck day, he's staying in the area here, and I'm like really hoping he goes and hunts the muddy truck hole because I've never hunted it. I have never hunted that area. I have no idea how many people are going to be hunting that. I really, really wanted to know. Is there going to be no one out there? Is there going to be 10 groups out there? I need information on that place. And sometimes you can use your calling network, your friends, 
to like him going and hunting that was really valuable information for me. And so I talked to Cole, called him. I'm like, hey, there's all these birds here. I'm like, you know, it would be awesome if you hunted it. And so he ended up, he did end up hunting it. I'll tell you how he ended up doing on that hunt later. But him and his dog, Delta, who's Georgie's best friend. <laughs> Delta's Georgie's buddy. They're training buddies. Uh, and I've talked about Delta before. Delta's got her HRCH and one master pass. And and I would be shocked if Delta doesn't end up a grand champion, quite honestly, before it's all said and done. I've got more more faith that Delta's going to be a grand champion than I do Georgie because Cole's kind of a student of the game when it comes to training, and I'm not so much. I like the training, but I'm not like a student of the game. And that kind of separates, I think, he and I a little bit because um, he – is just engulfed in learning about it. And I just like doing it. And then I got so much other crap to just like read about it. And anyway, so we said, we're going to go with Jeremy um, to his spots and they're all public places. And so now Jeremy and I start Marco pulling back and forth like crazy about his spots and he's scouting every day. And, and, you know, I'm trying to explain to my dad is um, 79 or 80 now. And, he has to have a certain condition to be able to hunt it. Like he's not going to go trouncing through ankle deep mud at, at his age. It's just not going to happen. So you, we have to make sure the hunts that we take him on are suitable for him to be able to do. So I'm like, I really need to take off Friday so that fumbles. My dad, Carl fumbles. He and I can take off Friday morning, get out there midday, Scout all these places with Jeremy, not really to see the birds so much, but to find out where can my dad um hunt. Because Jeremy doesn't know. He's a man of my dad. He doesn't know what my dad can do, can't do. And Jeremy's actually like, man, I, after you described your dad, he's way more able than I thought he was. And I was like, well, I, you know, I wasn't going to make him out like he was totally incapable, but I was wanted to let Jeremy know, like, hey, you know, if my dad can't do this, we, you know, we can't hunt it if we come out there. So we got up Friday morning. We drove all the way out there. We ended up, um, and I didn't want to spend a bunch of money. The whole plan was to camp, but then with the hot weather, you heard my rant about that. With the hot weather, um, I'm like, well, let's get an Airbnb. So I got on, and Jeremy offered to have my dad and I stay at his house, but it's like we'd never hung out before. And, you know, his fiance is there and I'm bringing a dog into the home of a guy I've never, I've met a couple of times and never really hunted with. And I'm like, it just felt uncomfortable. So this is the second time I've made this mistake and it's going to be the last, I hope I got the cheapest Airbnb I could find. And I didn't really even look at the reviews. <laughs> so I wish I had videoed this part. I really do. I need to start videoing more stuff just to have because it would be fun Patreon content or or whatever. But so we roll in there at about two o'clock, and we roll up to this Airbnb, which was a hundred, which was a hundred dollars a night after all fees, which for an Airbnb is dirt cheap. And this place, man, was like the grass was like four feet tall. They had some weird. They're somehow capturing the the rain what off at rain run off from the gutters, like in those big plastic bins, but they used to be doing it. So they're not anymore. So now it's just like all moldy black crap in there. And it looked like a haunted house. <laughs> quite honestly, the bathtub, when you took a shower, like it didn't drain right. And there's rings of dirt in there. So you'd stand in the shower and like other people's gross dirt from their baths before you was around your ankles. There was like, just not clean. It was disgusting, <laughs> but like, whatever. Whatever we saved some, we saved, you know, a good 50, 60 bucks to stay in a disgusting, nasty Airbnb pit. So we met Jer Jeremy came over at about three 30 because these places though, that we were going to hunt or the three options of where we were going to hunt were like an hour and a half from the Airbnb. And we knew we wanted to get in there really, really early. So I'm like, you know what? I mean, this is every time we go to these places and back, it's an hour and a half out, hour and a half back. So if we were going to go out for an hour and a half and scout and then come back an hour and a half drive and then later go, we were going to like three hours extra of driving. 
and we're pulling the boat the whole way. We're eating gas like crazy, spending all this money. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just, when we go, let's go. We're just out there and we'll either sleep in the truck. I don't know, but there's no reason of driving three hours to get a couple hours sleep and hop up and drive another, you know, hour and a half out there. Let's just, let's just, when we're gone, we're gone. And so that's what we decided to do. So we checked the first place. It was this little lake. And again, Jeremy had been looking at these and sending Marcos from them um, all day. We'd been Marcoing back and forth. If you don't use Marco Polo, by the way, it's a fantastic app to communicate with your friends. That's that's pretty much the only way I communicate with my friends. All the Flyways guys, Aiden, Jeremy. Some of my parents don't seem to really get into it, but and my wife didn't like it. But I mean, it's like, it's fantastic. And anyway, went to the first place. It's an Pretty nice looking little lake. It's ringed with smart weed. And, but Jeremy just hadn't been seeing the birds there, but we wanted to look at it. And I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know. So we went to the second place. And the second place had these mud flats. And there was about 150 teal right on these mud flats. And it looked like we could get the boat in at about 60, 70 yards from the mud flats and sit in some lily pads and set up there. It looked like a pretty nice spot. But this lake had a lot of campers. So as you're hunting, basically your scenery would have just been like campers at about, you know, 300 yards away, which is not give you a very immersive feel, obviously to have, to be looking at campers like that. But I mean, we didn't know, we, we didn't feel very good about the prospects from Jeremy scouting and everything. You know, we didn't feel, we were nervous about how good is this going to be? Are we going to be a good into him? So this is the first moment my spirits went from like, man, I don't know how this is going to be to like, hey, I, I, if we hunt here, I think we can get them. I think we can get on them. If we get in there first, I think we can get on these birds. So I immediately felt a little more excited. Um, So we went to the third place, which Jeremy had been in in the morning. He had been seeing some birds in there. And he's like, you know, Elliot, this is a prairie marsh. I know you like prairie marshes. And I have people make that quote to me about prairie marsh because i i love prairie marshes i love talking about them one of my intros had a quote about prairie marshes in it and and it's just that's my favorite kind of place to hunt it's just a good old prairie marsh where you can see for a long ways away and it's just wide open space big blue skies and that's what this he's like i think you're gonna like this place it's like but there's no holes in it they have not cut any holes in it it's like wall-to-wall smart weed um and i just don't know so we pulled up to this place and immediately I'm like, man, this place looks pretty good. I mean, I don't, I have a hard time thinking of another place that was packed that I've seen in my life. That's packed with this much smart weed. Half a mile long, two and a half, um, 25, a quarter mile wide and just loaded with smart weed loaded so much to the point was like, where can you even set up decoys on this place? So Jeremy's like, I think if we walk down this dike, we could probably set them up in here. So we walk down the dike, we put on our waders, we walk down the dike and we started just walking out in the pool and I'm looking, I'm just like, man, this is like losing birds central. But the whole time there's teal getting up, not like teal everywhere, but enough teal that you're feeling, you know, like, okay, man, there's teal there. Look, there's a teal there. there. We just flushed one up here. There's a group. Look, they're going over there. And so we started walking it because in the Jeremy had not walked this. I'm like, maybe there's just some hole somewhere. Maybe somewhere in this pool, there's some type of hole that is going to be a better spot for putting decoys, a better spot to hide that we can get my dad into. So we're just walking from, there's all these like sunflower. They're not, they weren't really mounds so much as they just were high ground where sunflowers had grown on. I really don't think they were mounds that like the state had put in there. And that's a different topic. Cause I freaking hate it when people put in those dumb mounds. I wish that those never were a thing where they go in and, and, they deliberately make a mound for people to hunt on and then people just sit on the top of it and sky bust it and they put them like 150 yards apart so you got you know like in a marsh you got like six mounds all like maybe even 200 yards apart and guys just sit literally sit on the top and sky bust and so it ruins it ruins the hunting for the entire marsh because 
guys are just sky busting sitting on those mounts. They're like no skill. Make people have to develop a skill. Don't hand feed people. And when you make mounds, you're just hand feeding them a place to sit and get out of the water. Make them earn it. Make them develop the skill. If you want to know, if you have a prairie marsh with no mounds on it, figure out how to hunt it. You can drag an A-frame in there. You can lay out boat hunt that. You don't need a damn mound. Quit making mounds, please. I don't know why states decided to do that. Knock it off. There's no reason for it. And if you're going to hunt a mound, guys, for the love of God, don't sit on the top of the mound. You can sit you can sit at the base of the mound where the water hits the mound. And typically there's so much like sunflowers and crap that grows on the top of the mound. You can pull that stuff out and make yourself a little blind. Don't sit on the top of the mound. All those ducks can see you. Now, I'm sure you can shoot teal doing that, but we're into big duck season. Guys, if you're sitting on the top of a mound, I don't care if you think you build a blind up there. The ducks see you. Get down off that mound, at least on the edge. It's a way better place. And while we're on the topic, please, if you're going to hunt a mound, can you pick up your shells? Please. Not to mention your ho-ho wrappers, your energy drink bottles. If you come into a place like that, if if someone comes in after you, they should see no sign of you other than maybe a blind that you've made. They shouldn't see a single shell. They shouldn't see a ho-ho wrapper. They shouldn't see an energy drink bottle. None of it. Pick up after yourself. This is a beautiful, wild space. Please pick up after yourself. Okay. Anyway, sorry. So Jeremy and I just kept walking through this marsh. And so basically I knew when I saw these sunflower um, high, high points that those were the best places that we might get uh, open pools around. Because normally when you have a high point in front of it, you have a depression. And this might have actually been built by the state. But I'm not positive. They might have been. If they did, people just didn't make as tall amounts as, as what I'm used to seeing. So we would kind of just went from mound to mound to mound looking for open holes of water because we were going to have to spend probably an hour making a hole because the way this vegetation was, this smart weed was in this prairie marsh, anything that you wounded that wasn't dead that could still move, you were not going to find. And if it sailed at all, I mean, maybe Georgie would be able to find it. But, I mean, this was as, as, as bad an area as possible for losing birds. So we just keep going from spot to spot. And we found some places where, like, you know, we could probably mat that down and be okay. We could probably mat that down and be okay. We kept walking and walking and walking and walking. We walked to the very back end of this pool, and we saw one more one more little mound of sunflowers. And, and Jeremy and I are like, hey, we've come this far. Let's just go to, go to the very back and just just see. And sure enough, we got to the back and there was an open hole. (laughs) We found an open hole. We found a matted down depression. And then beside it, we found an open hole. And there was sunflowers. It wasn't a mound, but there was a sunflower patch with some some, um, sticks that some people had cleared out and laid. It was a perfect spot. Perfect spot. And man, we were so, and and not only that, but the, the teal that we were seeing in this place were flying back and obviously landing and interested in that area because if you get a whole you know half mile by quarter mile section of smartweed and there's no landing space and then you have a couple of landing spaces in there that's where they're going to attract to because they can land in it and then swim into the smartweed that's just preferable for them and so we're really really excited and we're like not only that, we're like, okay, can my dad get back here? Can he get back here? And we look back there and there was a mowed road where someone from the state had mowed from the parking lot clear around the back. And so it was a perfect walking trail for my dad, for us to pull gear down, for my dad to walk down. And so, man, our spirits were like just through the roof at this point. Now, the number of birds that we were seeing, it was not crazy numbers. It wasn't crazy numbers, but it was enough numbers to be excited about. It's like, hey, we're going to shoot somewhere probably between eight birds in our limit here. That's kind of, you know, I hope we shoot. I'm sure we'll probably shoot at least eight. We might shoot our limit. It was like that type of movement. All blue wings. Didn't see any other non-blue wings at all, which is great during teal season. And so it was on. So um, from there, 
we walked all the way back. My dad was at the truck, talked to my dad about the plan. And we decided what we were going to do is just go ahead and go into this little town, get something to eat, and then come back and either sleep in the truck or go ahead and walk in there or, or whatever, because we weren't going back into town. And so that is going to bring us to the actual hunt. I'm going to take a real quick break and hit some sponsors here. And then we will be right back when I tell you about the actual hunt day and what happened on the hunt. And I'm going to kick more of this song that you heard at the beginning because this I just love this song. And it just gets me hyped up. It, it just gives me that excited feel. So here we go. I will be back in just one. My mind swells and swells as I look at this world on a new plane like a giant universal brain. People are the cells and these streets are the veins, but beware. Not many slide down the same drain. Put shame to the name, living a life on trains and planes and automobiles. New Dell, do what you feel, don't conceal your spirituality because that's your individuality and this reality, man. Damn, create the state of your own future. Rip out the suicidal sutures that are set by the solicitor called superior society, man. They're trying me and my one desire to acquire and maintain the inner fire that inspires my entire mode of thought. Ah, start to be taught my lessons that aren't bought but caught through the wit of a misfit and the infinite ability to spit. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, thank you for coming back. And we are about ready to jump into the actual hunt um, of this teal opener. And then at the end of this, I'm going to give you kind of the stats that I have been keeping on the North American waterfowler.com, the North American waterfowler.com. It's formerly freelance hunt stats. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but the, the new upgrades are done, man. You can now upload images. You can now record your dog retrieves. You can now check the leaderboards in your state. I haven't talked about it much cause it hasn't been ready, but, and it's still the, the app, is not quite yet. We are right now, my developer is working on pushing that app out. So he's going through all his little developer processes of changing in the old freelance hunt stat looking app to the new North American waterfowl looking app. The functionality is the same, but it's juiced up new design, new features. It is night and day different. If you've ever seen the freelance hunt stat stuff, this is night and day different. I'm telling you. So the app, don't worry about the app right now, but if you want to check it out, the North American waterfowler.com is the place to go for that. And it is freaking awesome. It's awesome. So I'll tell you our stats at the end here and how, how we ended up on this and where I'm sitting on the leaderboards um, for Teal and for Nebraska. So when we left off, we were going to go out and grab something to eat. So we did that. We went in the little diner, funny little place, little tiny Nebraska town. Had a really good time just hanging out and talking and just full of anticipation. So we got back to the parking lot and we was like, well, should we sleep in, should we sleep in the truck? What should we do? And I don't, I'm not a big fan of sleep of sleeping in Marsh. I don't like setting that precedent. And I don't like what it does to me sleep wise. I don't really want everyone to do that, but there are some times in which you have to make sure to get the spot. And at this point, this was really, we had decided like, this is the spot. And I'm like, I can sit here in the parking lot and sleep in the truck, but I'm not really going to feel at ease until I'm in the spot knowing we have it. Because if we don't get that spot, we're going to have to, there was other places we could have hunted, but none of them with an open hole, it just none of them with a good hide. It'd been hard to get my dad in, all of it. 
And this is about a seven tenths of a mile walk because on OnX, I tracked it out just to see how long it was. And I'm like, man, I'm making sure my dad can do it and everything. But it's a nice path, mode path. He's like, yeah, I can do that. I can do it. So we decided to go in there and just lay on the ground. And kudos to my dad because he took that seven tenths of a mile walk and slept on bare ground in there all night and never complained one time. And I just hope and pray that when I'm his age, I will be doing the same. I don't know if I will be, but I sure hope so because not once did he complain about the walk-in, not once did he complain about sleeping just on dirt, nothing. Because we did find a little mound back in there where so it wasn't just smart. We were on because we were like right at the edge of where the dry land hits the water at the back end of this place. And so we got in there and laid down and man, the mosquitoes were, I didn't really get bitten up that bad. Jeremy's hands, and I show it in the video, get tore up pretty good. Um, but the thing that it's like laying there, it's that buzzing in your ears. It's just that buzzing in your ears. That is just so freaking annoying. And actually I, and it was only like 68 degrees, but I got actually got cold because I had sweated on the walk in. And then, so then once you kind of have that sweat going, then you lay there all night and I got cold, which sucked. So I ended up putting on waders. Anyway, slept from about midnight to four and then really crappy sleep. Woke up, was cold, and then I wanted to tramp down our little hole more and make it more of an open hole, get the decoys. I just wanted to get everything ready. So got everything ready to go. And finally, it was about shooting light, and here comes that. Whoosh, whoosh. We got teal coming back over. It's not tons, not tons of birds, but you know, you just hear that, whoosh, whoosh, right? And your <laughs> your blood is gone because you have another like. Well, you get your blood going no matter, no matter when, how long it's been since you've hunted. But if it's been six, seven months since you've hunted, it gets you going, man. And we had some coming overhead, landing in the little hole, going by, and so we were pumped up. But as shooting time, as shooting time came, it was like, oh, not really that much flying. Then we had did have one group about five minutes after shooting time, and I, I was I was using the big camera because I want to get this stuff on video and GoPros are not very good low light, but my big camera, my Sony NX 80 is really good in low light. In fact, in those settings, you see better through the camera than with the naked eye. And so we had a group of like eight or 10. And this is when I'd not hunted with Jeremy, but this is the moment where I'm like, I like this guy because I want, I was calling the shots and we had this group of eight to 10. They came around, circled out in front of us, banked around, and they're coming right to the hole. And I'm looking through the eyepiece on the camera. And when you're looking through the eyepiece on the camera, it's a little bit harder to call the shot. In fact, I should just not even worry about calling the shot. But I didn't know, you know, how conservative Jeremy was with the shooting. And so I, I, I really want him in tight. And so I, I prefer to be the shot caller because I want to set a precedent of, you know, nice tight shots and not taking just passing crap shots and that kind of stuff. So as this group approached, I thought they were over the hole and I said, take them. And he's like, no, 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 they're a little far because they were over the weeds to the weeds was about. So he passed up just like a 25, 30 yard shot because it was over the smart weed instead of in the hole. And they banked. I hit him with a, with the call and they came banked back around and came right in and he killed one. They didn't settle. I'm wondering if we could have given them one more pass around and if they all just would have would have actually dropped their landing gear and landed in, but they were at 20 yards and he killed one immediately. My dad didn't shoot at it. Um, he's not going to shoot at, it at something like that. Cause they never really slowed down. But um, so Jeremy dropped one. That's when I was like, Oh man, he said, no, they're too far. I like this guy. I like this guy a lot. So um, then next thing I'm still got the big camera and two teal came right into this little hole and my dad and Jeremy doubled on the first one and Jeremy clean killed the second one. I mean, right. Perfect landing gear out, beautiful pass. And Oh my gosh, Georgie is in here and she's just blowing gas. My Lord, that stinks. Sorry. That is terrible. Um, man, 
I didn't mean to interrupt. I probably should have fought through that, but it's going to make my eyes water. So now we had three board, three teal on the board, and I'm like, but the movement is not fantastic. And so I'm like, hey, I, I yes, I want to get this on video, but I want to shoot some teal. And so I put my gun down. One single came, feet down right by the spinner, clean killed that. And so then as the hunt progressed, um, after about, I'd say 30 minutes, I was nervous that we were not going to shoot many teal. I was nervous about it. And I did a teal video where I talked about how the perception is that if you don't kill the teal in the first 30 minutes to an hour that the, that the hunt is done. And this is a perfect example of that where it got a little better as it went on. So that first 30 to 45 minutes was really slow and it actually started picking up after that time. And we hunted, we hunted until we stopped at nine 20 and we had a teal, a single teal come in at nine 15. And then at about nine 25, as we we're picking up, we had a group come in and work the work, the marsh. They weren't coming into the hole, but they were working the marsh. So just to say that, you know, just cause the stereotype is that the teal hunting is done after 30 minutes. That is absolutely not always the case for sure. So just keep that and keep that in mind and store that somewhere. If you go 30 minutes and it's not that great, there's just, just, it, it might still pick up. It might, it might still. So from, um, after like that 30 minutes, it was kind of slow and I was getting a little nervous and, but then slowly we just started seeing more and more flocks and they were doing it. It was small. You know, we were shooting groups of two, three, we had a group of four, um, we didn't have any big groups at all, but it was mostly, it was mostly pairs to, to four or five birds. But when they were coming in, they were just, they were feet down going right into the hole. And the cool thing about it is that they were so call responsive and I'm using a pulp pattern teal call. They are so call responsive. I mean, I was calling these blue wings on the corner cause they were circling a lot. So they wouldn't just come right in. They were, they were circling a bunch. And so they'd come out in front and they'd hit that corner on the front left. And I'd hit them, hit them with a call and they'd bank all the way back around. It was beautiful. So it was lots of really nice visuals of how the teal were working and everything. And we had one, um, the best pass of the day was we had four teal and they all came in together. And it was the same thing before where I was calling them on the corners. They banked around. You see all that puff that powdery blue wings as they're banking and they came right through, they were settling and um, Jeremy boom kills the first one. I had my gun clicked boom. Jeremy kills the second one. So he kills two out of the four. So the two that didn't get killed, they go out, I hit them a call. They bank back around again to the right. My dad's on the far right. Jeremy's in the middle. I'm on the left and the two, come in and one of them spins off tries to land right by the spinner and boom i killed that one the one that didn't didn't come down and spin off he went off to my dad's right circled back around came back in and my dad killed that one so we killed all four of them but it was kind of strung out it's like jeremy killed two out of the four they circled i killed one they, the last one circled again my dad killed one really stupid deal i mean there must have been either yearlings or just they haven't been hunted forever right so they're just like doing it and that put us, I think, from eight to 12. So we had eight and that put us up to 12. And so we ended up with 14. Jeremy ended up with six. I ended up with five and my dad ended up with three. And I certainly would have shot my limit if I wasn't holding the camera so much, but I still had the opportunity to, to shoot my limit. So it was about eight. It really slowed down at about 840. And so we're like, okay, we're going to give it to 920. One of the reasons that we, that we, um, gave it to 920 is because that 920 was the time when it was supposed to hit, uh, 80 degrees. And we had a seven tenth of a mile walkout and we wanted to make sure that, you know, for my dad, it was cool. Uh, didn't get too hot for him and all that stuff. So that's kind of the time that we set. So got to be about 917. I'm one away from my limit. And I'm talking and I look over and my dad is unloading his gun. I'm like, what are you doing? Why, why are you unloading your gun? It's like, we still have three minutes. Like that's a major faux pas, right? You don't, 
you don't unload your gun. <laughs> and so I look up and there's one teal trying to land right on the decoys. At that point, I was five birds on six shots. And this was just the easiest shot ever. And I guess I was just caught off guard or something because I pull up with one, with two, with three. I went over three on that teal. And it looked like maybe I had wounded him because he went out about 75 yards and went down in the smart weed out there. And I sent Georgie and she actually, um, she short stopped it by at about 25 yards, but she through the smart weed, she actually made a pretty good line on that thing. So I'm like, well, maybe I can still get this thing. Right. And so I walked all the way out there, flushed that thing and went to shoot it. It was in ease. I flushed it at like 20 yards and click shell didn't fire. So that was honestly the biggest downer of the whole hunt was that I could have, if I had just killed that bird, I'd have been six birds with seven shots. It just would have been the icing on the cake within like the last two minutes to get my limit and have my limit on the first time, but it wasn't meant to be. And I just didn't shoot very well on that. On obviously on that last one, I was just caught off guard, you know, and I just don't think I shouldered it properly, but it was a fantastic hunt. And I'll say Georgie really, really showed up. If you watch that video, you can see it. I mean, finding those teal and that thick smart weed, none of the trees were long, but they were all, not all of them, but multiple birds went past the hole a little bit and into the smart weed. Now, the good thing is we could have lost a ton of birds on this deal. We could have lost a ton of birds on it, but um, we just killed out of the 14 birds. Only one of them was even wounded at all. We killed dead 13 out of the 14. So we shot really, really well. Now they're easy shots. They were in close, but we shot really, really well. And so in the wounded one, Georgie was, I was, I was with her out there cause she couldn't find it. And then she found it. Cause I saw her in the smart way, like pounce. And then she pounced a second time and it must've dove on her. And then I ended up looking down and just finding it and grabbing it. But Georgie just showed up and now she did creep a little bit and I had to really get on to her. Uh, because she, she creeped bad out in front of the blind one time, which she kind of has that's something I need to clean up there. She's totally steady, but she will creep a little bit if I don't stay on her. So I was able to really give her a strong correction on that to kind of, as a teaching moment, like, no, we're not creeping here. We're not creeping, but it was a really, really satisfying hunt. The birds were in close. It was a beautiful prairie marsh. There was no one else around this whole pool. Only one other group even hunted the whole pool. We could have gone in there at the last second. We could have slept in, gone in there the last second and still gotten the spot. Cause for some reason, maybe it's because there was no open holes. I don't know, but there's only one other group on the whole, on the whole pool. So it was just really, really fun hunt. Would I have loved it if we shot a three man limit? Yeah, that would have been great. Cause it's so great. How'd you do Dave? Oh, we shot a three man, right? We shot a four man. <laughs> that would have been great. But it was a really, really fun hunt. My dad went three shells for three birds and he hadn't, he didn't shoot a bird all last season. So it had been over, you know, 12 months. It had been like 18 months since he had killed a bird and he went three for three. So he just really had a great day. He was happy. I mean, it was really enjoyable time. So the three of us killed 14. I was, and these are off of the North American waterfowler.com. I was five for nine. Uh, Georgie had 13 retrieves out of the 14 birds. All of them blue wing teal, not a single green wing. And so that puts me with 15 points on the leaderboards and I'm down there quite a ways. There's a bunch of people that already have like Matt has 39 points on teal on the teal leaderboards already. So I'm, I'm down there like at number eight or something on the leaderboards right now for, for teal, which, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff, it, those leaderboards don't matter. They're fun. It's just fun little things. I'm not into them that much. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't make it the end all be all and get into numbers and that kind of stuff. But if you're a stats person, it's fun to keep those things. It's fun to keep them. So, well, guys, that's all I've got for you today. I hope that you enjoyed this hunting recap a little longer than I thought it would be, but I don't know. I just wanted to tell you everything that happened and went through. So we ended up not hunting the next day and just getting back early. Um, Georgie got some of those smart weed seeds in her eyes and she was having big major eye issues. And, you know, it, we were just, we were just ready to go home. So we went home. I worked on the video all afternoon. 
slept a ton and then got up and came home the next day. And then as we were driving out the next day, I was regretting not hunting and I still regret a little bit, but I was able to get home, get lots of sleep. And then on Monday I was able to scout for the Kansas opener and that went well. Well, it didn't go very well. And that let me know where I needed to go. So I didn't find birds on the Monday scout. I went to all my spots and I just didn't want to see anything. So that lets me know I need to travel a little bit for this weekend's opener. So anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this recap. Make sure if you like this content and you like what I'm doing, please give it a five-star review. Leave a little rating in there. It means a lot to me to look and see little positive comments. It encourages me because the podcast game is not one with, with feedback. You just, you just get silence because it's just not really set up like YouTube is for comments and whatnot. So um, it's really nice to get some feedback if you're enjoying it to let me know. Um, encourages me to keep doing what I'm doing. So I will be back next week. I've got a podcast set for uh, Monday with actually Josh from Outdoor Limits. He's going to talk all about his dove field planting. He's going to talk about his um, time with Cora and go through all that. It's a really interesting interview. And then the following Thursday will be another hunt update, comment of the week, and a Woody's. So keep tuning in, guys. Until next time, you have listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. Thoughts and phrases, lost in thought I travel mental messes. My inner fire straight burns and blazes. I never suffer to another man's praises. Because pride will make your mind flip. When you go on a power trip, your grip will slip and you live a personal apocalypse. Eclipse of your third eye right. Scorched by 451 Fahrenheit. A burns like a masonite and dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? You can only do one or two things. Love, I hate, hate that that. When you're dead, who's knocking at your door? If you wanna love me, I'll love you more. One, two, the two, two, 